you know, Polk County doesn't get that many tourists. And the, the few that come out here, boy, they just go ape. You are listening to The Polk Experience. This episode will be a little different. We'll start by highlighting Bartow's L.B. Brown House, whose builder rose from slavery to become a community leader and businessman. After that, we'll visit with Russell Burney, who strives to keep the memory of Pewsville, a historic black Winter Haven neighborhood, alive. Welcome aboard. My name is Clifton Lewis, the president of the L.B. Brown House Museum. Tucked away off the main roads of the county seat, Bartow's L.B. Brown House chronicles the contributions Brown, a former slave, made as a businessman and community leader. Clifton Lewis, while not related to Brown, remains his greatest champion. We visited the house on a warm summer day. Mr. Lewis conducted our tour. I came about to around uh, 30 years ago, and about 22 years ago, we began the process of acquiring and restoring the home, which again, because of the lack of heirs, the home had been abandoned, and so it had fallen into disrepairs, and in fact was on the list to be demolished by the city of Bartow. But instinctively sensing that the house had great historical value, the city of Bartow hesitated in tearing it down. And thanks be to God that they did, because we came along and eventually acquired the house and restored it. It took us about two or three years to get it done, but we finally have it done. Now the task is to preserve it for as long as possible. The L.B. Brown House was built in 1892 by Lawrence Bernard Brown, who was born in slavery near Gainesville, Florida in 1856. Mr. Brown arrived here in Bartow sometime in the late 1880s, purchased a couple of acres of land here, cleared off, cleared off the trees, and eventually around 1892, built this beautiful little mansion. Mr. Brown was single at the time, it was just he and his mother, Catherine. Although he was born in slavery with nothing, by the time of his death in 1941, it is estimated that Brown was worth well over half a million dollars. This of a man who was born in slavery and who perhaps had one or two years of education, if any. Mr. and Mrs. Brown had seven children. Mr. Brown, in fact, came from a family of seven children. I mention that because those seven children produced only one grandchild. That grandchild was never married, had no children, and so today, there are no more direct descendants of Lawrence Brown. In addition to building this beautiful old mansion, Mr. Brown also built what is estimated to have been perhaps 50 to 75 rental houses in this East Bartow area, which is the reason why the city of Bartow eventually renamed Second Avenue in honor of Lawrence Bernard Brown. On this site, Brown had a workshop where he performed numerous tasks. He repaired umbrellas or parasols. He repaired and made furniture. He silvered mirrors. He also notarized documents. He collected his rent. He was sort of a local banker, if you will, in that he often loaned money to residents. Lawrence Bernard Brown should be considered 
the typical solid Florida pioneer. Once inside, Mr. Lewis takes visitors on a trip through time, a task accomplished through photographs and documents. Interestingly enough, although born before the Civil War, Lawrence Brown had a son who only died several years ago. So we had the distinct opportunity to meet Robert Brown, Lawrence Brown's youngest child who lived in New York. And so he came down here when he learned that we were trying to acquire and restore the house. And his son being convinced that we had good intention and knowing that he had no relative, no close relative, he donated his father's books and ledger books and a couple other items that his father owned. So we got it from his son, Lawrence Brown. Incidentally, uh, speaking of accomplishments, Lawrence Brown was about 67 years old when the last child was born. Although he perhaps attended school maybe one or two years, maybe, if that long, his daughter said in no time, but he may have gone to school a little bit. Brown was a voracious reader. I mean, just, and he had a lot of books. These are just two of the books that we salvaged. This particular book on the left is his book of etiquettes, how to conduct yourself in different situations. It's entitled, The Golden Way to the Highest Attainment. And it has his, his, his signature on that inside cover. I made a copy of it. The book on the right is Mr. Brown's Florida law book. He had so much land, he loaned so much money, he needed to know what the law said about different things. The youngest son, Robert, whom I mentioned, lived in New York, actually became a porter on the railroad, the Pullman Porter, and that's Robert's Pullman cap. This is Mr. Brown's pocket watch that his son gave me, and it has his initial engraved LBB. This is a remnant of the blueprint that L.B. Brown drew up before he built this house. It's part of the roof plane. And we noticed this house because it mentioned, he mentioned here, L.B. Brown's house, 472nd Avenue. Although we don't have the rest of it. This is a copy of the 1894 contract that Brown drew up with a fellow named Ben Knight in account with L.B. Brown. And I'll just paraphrase what he said. I'll read the first part and I'll paraphrase the rest. It is agreed that Lawrence Brown shall let Ben Knight have one lot and one house as to be used for renting at $5 per month. It was 1894, you get the idea what rent was going for. And then he goes on to say, Ben, Pay me faithfully. Once your rent totals $45 or more, that's the threshold. I would be willing to convert this to a sale. You can become a homeowner. That's your down payment. It's one of those pioneer rent-to-own contracts. And then he goes on to say, now, if you agree to become a buyer, Ben, then I'm going to sell you the lot for $200. The house will be sold for $275. So you become a homeowner for $475. And at that point, the $5 a month rent will be increased to $15 a month mortgage and at 8% per annum. 
at that mixture, and these are their seven children. Now, this one son, Clifford Brown, actually became principal of Rochelle School in Lakeland, and he became a vice president of Kathleen High School, Clifford Brown. Lavinia, who was the last family member to live in the house, she died in 1989. She was the vice principal of Jewett Academy and went to Haven. So, so that, that, those are the children. This was the only grandchild, Joe. He passed away with no kids. Miss Thomas, who was a retired school teacher, had a sense of history. So when she had workmen come in and do work, rather than Rather than getting rid of all the wallpaper, she actually had a panel over the old wallpaper. So when we took the paneling out, we were able to, to preserve some of the original wallpaper. On the side of the stairway, also there's some original wallpaper up, up here. We changed the wallpaper and we painted it, but we didn't change any of the architecture. I know that the um, outgoing school superintendent uh, wrote a letter that she's urging the staff to put greater emphasis on history especially now with what's going on around the country so we can respect each other. And I've been trying for years to get the schools more interested. During our festival in February, they come during a festival, but throughout the year, I'm saying this would be a great field laboratory. It's free. Yeah. You know, teachers can point out things, and the parents, the chaperone can point out things. And, and I did get a one school, um, uh, middle school, came out several years ago, and they brought sandwiches and all, and they actually picnicked out on, the, on the, had blankets. Okay. And so the parents and the grandpa were talking to the kids about what it was like in Georgia, and they were using this as an example of, but uh, I guess it's a matter of money. They can't get the buses to get them out here. Yeah, of course, the house is available 24-7, and tourists are welcome to come by and look at the exterior. But if they were like a, a, a guided tour of the interior, we would like for them to call 863-944-6136. 863-944-6136. Or given enough time, they can send an email at clewis1942 at yahoo.com. All of this is on our website, of course, lbbryan.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. And we are here with Russell Burney to talk about historic Pewsville. Welcome, Russell. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So we were just chatting a few minutes uh, beforehand here, and you were telling me about growing up in Winter Haven. Yes. And, and Pewsville. So we might as well start at the beginning. Give us some information about Pewsville and, uh, and, and sort of the landmarks where it would be today. Okay, uh, Pewsville was uh, located in the southwest, southeast portion of Warner Haven, uh, Florida, which is uh, off of US 17 and Cypress Gardens Boulevard in that area. Um, Pewsville was a thriving area back in the days, uh, predominantly of uh, black minorities that moved here from you know different places. And the first place they went was Pewsville because that's where uh, the... Uh, the um, gentleman that Pewsville is named after is Charles Pugh, which was one of the first settlers in that area. And uh, we had uh, different people come from that area. We had the first black African-American mayor come through the area. We had one uh, black African-American firefighter that came through there. And we had uh, the first female mayor of Warner Haven oh, that wow. came through 
Pewsville. All of those grew up in Pewsville, and Pewsville was a a heart to heart community where um, you know everybody was family. Everybody knew each other. You know, we can go door to door, and you could get something to eat in somebody else's house. No problem. You go there, and then uh, if you act up before you got back home. You probably was get a beating when you act up at that person's house okay. or at church. <laughs> but by the time you got back home, you were going to get another beating. <laughs> but back then, see, there was no telephone, yep. hardly. But somehow, before you got back home, your mother and father knew that you act up somewhere. <laughs> I saw the, uh, the, the one quote in, uh, in one of the articles was they, uh, they also had a 24-hour watch on the minister's house. Exactly. As to make sure that exactly. they knew where he was going. Exactly. Back in the days... Uh, he was a, his name was, um, the biggest church in Pewsville, which is the Bonomaly Church, was Zion Hill Missionary Baptist Church. And um, the pastor, Joel Elvin Atkins, was the pastor. He was a real activist in civil rights. And uh, he was from Arcadia, Florida, which was south, mm-hmm. uh, Haven, which is south of uh, the county. And he had to uh, have some uh, surveillance with him at all times because there were certain people after him. And there was a lot of incidents that he ran into that uh, prohibited him from, you know, going out in the public, just staying out, you know, into the church's area. And the deacons surrounded him as well and the community surrounded him as well back in those days. Mm-hmm. So did you, you grew up in this neighborhood? Yes, I did. Okay, so so... School was in the neighborhood. Work was? Work and school was in the neighborhood. Uh, schooling was uh, walking to school. Okay. Uh, if anyone knows where Denison uh, Junior High School is, uh, that uh, we had to walk to school to Denison. And uh, we also had to walk to elementary school, which was in Eloise. It was called uh, Snively Elementary, which is still existing school now. I went to school down there. Now this is back in the days. Now you know what I mean you know what I mean you just walking down the railroad track and you may get rocks thrown at you, yeah. you know, something like that. But yeah, we still went and got our work and got things done. And then from there, from junior high school, I went to Warner Haven High School, and I was a graduate of class of nineteen seventy seven. Okay, okay. So so you went through then the 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 civil rights. You you must remember the civil rights. Most of these. Civil rights move, movement. Yes, yeah, some through. some uh, came through, and some was just uh, our parents never just exposed us to it, you know, because they knew we were going to come out of that. But uh, you know, my parents were older, and they had to come through it. But they did not expose that to us as kids, uh, you know, what they expected. We were still, you know, we were still getting along with people, and mm-hmm. you know, there was really not a lot of tension. Because everybody came through Pewsville, you know, uh, knew that, you know, you don't come through there playing around. Yeah. And and I, I saw more than one uh, note with the uh, amount of athletes that came out of Pewsville. So uh, historic and, and not historic. So uh, the, the one name that uh, popped up was uh, a gentleman who went on to coach. Jim Turgeson was a police officer. We used to call him schoolboy. Okay. And schoolboy was uh, a police officer in one of the police department. Uh, he came on with a gentleman by the name of Mr. Joe Wilbur. They were the two uh, predominantly black uh, police officers in Warner Haven. 
And uh, I remember working with, with Coach Turgeson, and uh, Coach Turgeson um, taught baseball. Yep. And uh, he taught a lot of kids, you know, to stay out of trouble. No, go to jail, just the schooling and talking to you, letting you know that's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, so Turgeson now has a field named after him, which is in the Florence Villa area, and that's right off of Martin Luther King Boulevard, just beside the Northeast Complex in Warner Haven. I, I, I was fascinated by it because uh, I did a lot of my college papers I did on the Negro Leagues. And he had come up through the Negro Leads and then made it all the way to AAA. Exactly, as, exactly. As, was a, as was an a old man. Of, there was a lot of uh, gentlemen that came from uh, Florence Villa, Pewsville, that did play in the Negro League. Uh, Mr. Um, Williams, which was uh, Mr. Williams that came in. He was in Warner Haven. Uh, Joe Wilbur, I believe, played in there. A mm-hmm. uh, gentleman uh, by the name of uh, Sidney Bell. He played in there. Uh, a lot of other gentlemen that was uh, uh, played in Negro League that kind of just, you know, well, I do have pictures myself yeah. showing that they played uh, for the different teams. And I love the Negro League myself, and I've done a lot of history on that myself. Yeah, that would say it's fascinating, you know, period for me. And, and, and just the, the, I mean, they're obviously good enough to play in, in any baseball league, but then the, the, the revolutionary things that they did that then the major leagues took on afterwards. Exactly. From marketing to, to game play to uh, just fascinating. There's a lot right, of great contributions right, given right, right. And, and history lost. Right. And, and back to history lost, this, uh, you know, you're, you're here talking about Pewsville and you having the photos. You're, you're the, the brain trust of this. This is, this is how do we get this information out to others, you know, besides a podcast? Well, we, um, we have a uh, Historical Pewsville Association, Inc., which is a nonprofit organization, and we try to publicize through that. We have uh, two... No, we have actually three written books on Pewsville now, which one was just published uh, back in uh, May of this year. Uh, that's called The Joys of Living in Pewsville. Mm-hmm. And that's on, um, you know, that's on publishing now. And it's out for, for, for pay. Um, so, you I mean, you know, we try to get the information out like that. Another thing we have to get the information out for Pewsville is we have two state monuments which are located, one's located at 17 and uh, 3rd Street, excuse me, 17 and Avenue O, which is uh, um, up by the Wawas in Warner Haven. Mm-hmm. It's a monument telling what Pewsville was all about. And we also have a second one, which was down in the south uh, east part of this Warner Haven, east part of Pewsville. And that also tells how... Um, the um, city and everyone came together and the history of Pewsville or not. So we have an opportunity to go by and read those monuments and they're state monuments. They were uh, purchased by the City of Warner Haven contribution, Historical Pewsville Association contribution, the Polk County, County Commission contribution, and the state of Florida. So we do have those in ground now. And uh, so, I mean, that's one thing, one way we get out and I'm a president of the association, so mm-hmm. anyone call and want a book or anything, I would, you know, more happy to share that with them. And and you have a great relationship with Polk State. So, yes, we do. so let's go back to the beginning where Polk State had been at the airport 
and and then was looking for a for a place to relocate and and came to Winter Haven. Yes, uh, Polk State actually uh, was looking for a place to build a college, and you know with the laws back then with the uh, state government uh, lawyers, uh, they needed access or they needed more economic impact to build a college or to support a college. So City of Winterhaven uh, donated where the land is now to the college. Uh, it was a golf course. Okay. And they moved the golf course out further out into the city, which is out on Lucerne Park Road. Mm-hmm. So for them to come in and they wanted to do the economic impact, the City of Winterhaven came to the residents of Pewsville and asked them if they wanted to opt out to sell or relocate or, you know, keep your own property. Mm-hmm. And some lawyers came in, some real estate agents came in, and that was to help the economic impact to support a college in Winterhaven. So actually, Pewsville was the place that actually was the economic impact for the college coming to Winterhaven. Yep. And that's how we got that. And, okay. And that's how the college became in Winterhaven. And as you say, they were in the Bartow Airport. They outgrew themselves as well. So, I mean, that that's how Pewsville became the economic impact to support the college. And everybody just, you know, a lot of people started moving out. There was older, a lot of people, family people, and uh, – and uh, they just sold out to different um, real estate agencies, mm-hmm. and then because um, there know, was some rezoning as well, and yes, and it all became uh, commercial residential. Yeah. So, which means you could still stay in your residence, or they could build commercial right next door to you. So that's what some places did. We have a gentleman that's in uh, Winterhaven now, which is um, he's probably the older living, oldest living resident left in Pewsville. He was the first African-American mayor in Winterhaven, and his name is Lemuel Gathers, and he's still alive now, mm-hmm. and he's doing very well. He's in his 90s now, God and bless. he is very, very sharp, and I go to him for a lot of, you know, uh, 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 resources as mm-hmm. well, and he talks about, you know, different things that happen. He still lives in the original house that he was raised up in. Wow. So that's in that's in Winterhaven, and he still has uh, 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 commercial around him, but his home is in the residential commercial area. Okay. Um, so going forward, you know, you've you've got uh, and as we get older, and you know, kids don't seem to be as interested in the history or whatnot. You're you're doing the uh, a May Day celebration. Yes, sir. Uh, tell us more about that. Okay, we uh, started the May Day Festival some uh, years ago. We call it the Historical Pewsville Association May Day Festival. And the May Day Festival was a uh, proclamation by Governor Lawton Childs back in the days, and it was uh, celebrated around the slaves that were proclamated back in the 1800s in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. So we do that on um, Labor uh, Memorial Day weekend each year. Um, the uh, pandemic didn't have us do it this year. We we did another route. Yeah. But each year we have that, and we have a annual fish fry because everybody in Pewsville loves fish because 
Well, look at the lakes we had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember staying on the lake with my grandmother plenty of times. I'd take her to the lake with mm-hmm. the car, and she goes out and sit on a little five-gallon bucket and catch her, catch her fish, and, you know, we'd go home, and we'd cook them. That's your dinner. Yeah. That's your dinner. So, um, I grew up on a, I grew up on a pond. You don't have to tell me. That <laughs> that's correct. Lots of fish. So, yeah, we love fish over, over in the Pewsbury area, and that's what's one of our greatest things that we do. And we have the businesses that help us out when we have that event. The local businesses help us out. We have different activities for the kids. Uh, we have uh, activities for the Dutch as well. We have games. It's like a celebration. And that's what we did. We've been doing that for the last uh, 18, 20 years. Right. So, you I mean, that's something that the pandemic didn't help us this year to do. Uh, so we came up with another idea. And I'm going to elaborate on that. Uh, we came up with another idea. We... Um, coordinated with the radio station, uh, WSR, uh, Family Radio. We coordinated with uh, Pinjo Inc., which is the uh, local KLC. Uh, and then we, um, we gave away free lunch giveaways, dinners. It was just a drive-through system, and they came through, drive-through, picked them up, picked, picked them up a box and kept riding. That was just, you know, handing it to them. Yep. And they were doing that that correlated with our annual fish fry this year okay. because, you know, we couldn't gather. Yeah. So that was one thing we know. We don't know if we'll do it again, depending on what next year brings. So we're just going to um, uh, hopefully good luck will just, you know, keep us on uh, to keep it going. Yeah, and I was out there for that. That yes, was sir. well attended. Yes, that sir. was uh, uh, was uh, interesting talking to the folks and 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 hearing their their memories of Pewsville and, and the area. And then and then the 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 lament from some of them about the changes uh, that, that, you know, they miss the neighborhood that, uh, you know, that they grew up in. And, and it's, you know, it's modern progress. It happens everywhere, but, uh, but you hate to see the, you hate to the, see it go, but yeah. actually you can ride through and say, well, I remember my home used to be right there. Or I used to live right there, you know, um, uh, just elaborate where I grew up at. I grew up at the corner of us 17, and Cypress Gardens Boulevard, which is Avenue R. Mm-hmm. The building now is uh, Taco Bell. Okay. Taco Bell is sitting in that corner. And um, actually, I was in the parking lot a couple of days ago, and I'm sitting there eating my little taco, and I said, wait a minute. I'm probably sitting where my house was at. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I was because yeah. I was on the property, and I started saying, hey, I can remember the the house was here, the, this big tree was here, this big mango tree was here. You know what I mean? Just visualizing, you know, just yeah. reminiscing. Yep. You know, it's good to get your mind to go back on things like that, you know, and then get away from all that's happening in the world today. So actually, you know, I mean, I was sitting there just reminiscing, you know, a little bit, you know. And I love driving through Pewsville, mm-hmm. uh, looking at all the, you know, the new things that are, that are happening in the uh, restructure of Pewsville. And and as far as the the future goes, you've got you've still got the core three churches that sort of made up Pewsville and, and and a lot of others that have that have grown up. Do, do you see this name continuing, or, or is it going to continue way past us? Oh, people in definitely. the future are going to oh, most definitely, most definitely. We're passing it on to younger people now. A lot of them are asking questions, uh, nephews, uh, nieces asking a lot about Pewsville. So we're telling them about Pewsville, and we're showing them the books we have, the history of the books, who was here, who mm-hmm. was there, 
um, what place was here, different things that last. So I believe it'll, it's going to last as you know as long as uh, the good Lord will yeah. let it have. And and has there been more interest with with everything in the news and 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 the tragic death of of Mr. Floyd and all the rest? Is has that sparked sort of a a, a renaissance at all? Well, it, uh, it, it 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 takes us back where we came from. I mean, it's good to go back where you came from. And uh, like I said, actually, I was exposed to a lot of mm-hmm. negative back in those days. I mean, because uh, me growing up, you know, uh, our parents didn't and you know didn't expose us to that. Uh, but uh, it's just tragedies that's happening in this world that you know. What I mean, uh, this is what's going to help keep the future going and said, we didn't have this in Pewsville back in those days. Everybody was friendly. Everybody was, you know, growing up and, uh, and uh, everybody went their own ways to college and the school. I mean, that's, um, I believe it's going to, it's going to be a legacy itself. Yeah. Now, now tell us how, uh, I'm sure you've got a website. Yes, we do. Tell us uh, how people can find more on the website or uh, or get in contact with you. Okay, uh, people can uh, visit us on Facebook. It's it's on the Historical Pewsville Association. Just type in Historical Pewsville Association. You'll see our Facebook page. Uh, we don't have a website now. Uh, you mean because that's uh, more of a domain than mm-hmm. information like that. So we just have our Facebook page. And I put a lot of stuff on that, a lot of old pictures, remembering people, updates people, things in that line. Fantastic. And then, uh, like I said, my name is Russell Burney, and uh, I'm the president of the association. And just leave me, a, leave me a message. I'd be more happy to get back with you and talk to you. Great. Anything I should have asked, I, I, this is, goes back to my reporter days. Anything I, shouldn't, I should have brought up that I didn't? Okay. Uh, can I just reminisce on how... I grew up around the baseball stadium in Warner I, I was going to ask. I mean, it's yeah. it's so Ted Williams, all the rest. They're right across the street. Tell me about yes, it. Yes, sir. As a little boy growing up in Warner Haven, um, I loved baseball. The first baseball game I went to, I loved it. Uh, I met all the gentlemen, as you just said, Ted Williams, uh, Rico Petroselli, uh, all those names called the Fist back in those days. I was a little kid yep. in La La Land. You know, and um, I uh, used to go down to spring training to watch the games. Even the guys used to let us come and wash their cars in the back. As the game was going on, we were washing their cars. Okay. And we were washing the cars, that, you know, in the stadium in the mm-hmm. back, in the back of the parking lot. So there's a lot of, lot of memories in that. And I was at the baseball stadium every day. <laughs> every day. Every day. We would go down there and we would play stickball in the fields. And yep. You're acting like you're Reggie Jackson, and you're acting like you're, um, you know, Carlton Fist, and you're acting like you're uh, Rico Petroselli. You know what I mean? And you know, I mean, it was just fun as growing up as a kid and growing up at the baseball stadium. And I love the Red Sox. You know, I hate to see them go back in the '60s. That was a business deal. Yeah. But you know, I mean, uh, uh, and then I also used to be a Class A team here, which is the one Haven Red Sox. Mm-hmm. A lot of the younger players that went to the minor leagues came through One Haven, uh, right out of college. My favorite one was Jim Rice. Oh yeah, Jimmy yeah. Rice, Freddie Lynn. Yep, Freddie Lynn came through. One all those guys I saw them playing in One Haven. Oh wow, in Class A ball, 13, 14 year old kid. You know, 
eyes just as big and want to be like that one day, you know. So I met a lot of guys. Uh, I met a lot of umpires mm-hmm. uh, uh, because you you were right there with them every day. You know I mean, they would see your face. They would come, hey, hey, you know what? Hey, man, what's going yeah. on? We'll be giving some hot dogs, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know uh, so it was a, it was the fun days that I grew up down at the stadium, and um, and I hate to see them go as well. Uh, so I mean, it was just um, I'm still a baseball fan, but my heart and soul was at Channel Lake Stadium growing up as a kid. It was from helping the guys, helping the guys prep the field. Oh yeah. Uh, I worked in the clubhouse. I was bat boy. I would travel with the team sometime. My, my, my mother would give me the okay to go travel with the team. Say on the weekends or something, they would go to Tampa, Tampa Tarpons, yep. which is, yep. you know, go to Tampa, St. Pete Cardinals, you know, all those teams. We would go and we'll go and we'll um, you go for the day. I was bat boy, take the stuff off the bus. Put it in the racks, you know. Do what you got to do as a bat boy. Oh yeah, man, I was in hog heaven. Man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was in hog heaven. I'm old man now, and I just think about those yeah. things, you know. And sometimes it's good to talk about it. Some people don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you yeah, you still. forget how many teams were right in this area. I mean, Winter Haven had the Sox. Exactly. Lakeland had the Tigers. But you're right. I mean, Dunedin has had the Blue Jays, I think, forever. Forever. Um, Tampa Tarpons. I mean, there were all these teams. Plant City for a little while. Um, you know, they were all right here. They were all right here. And, you know, I mean, you saw some of the best players that eventually made it to the major leagues played in this area it was it was called actually now it's still a it's still a grapefruit league but it's not as big yeah. you know as it, as it was with the teams in this area but uh those are the days that i had uh growing up in Warner haven and we just went across the street cross cross cypress boulevard jumped the fence and headed to the field okay you know headed well, to the, We'll have to talk Jim Rice because he was my favorite Red Sox Jim player. Rice, Jim so. Rice is a good man. Jim Rice is a good man. I know him personally uh, very well. I knew Eric Gregg. Okay. The umpire. Yep. I knew him very well. And some of the other umpires, I knew them very well. Uh, Stan, uh, we call him Stan. Him and Gregg was partners, you know, all the time. So, I mean, uh, it was it was, it was was those those were the good old days back in Pewsville growing up at the stadium. And also we had each year – was a festival. It was called the Orange Festival. Okay. They used to have a parade down Cypress Gardens Boulevard and down. It, it started downtown Warner Haven. It came through downtown and got at 17 in Cypress Gardens, turned and went to the Orange Dome. All right. The Orange Dome was there, which I got still got pictures of that. Yep. Yeah, I remember it as a kid. Yes. So, and uh, that was a monument. That hurt me when they tore that down and put three restaurants there. Yeah. You know what I mean, you know, I mean that just, you know, that just irked me. And I didn't didn't find out what the concept, what it was all about. But those were the days that each year they had the Orange Festival. Okay. And uh, they had the you know, rides, and they had the it stayed for a week. And they would go down, and you know, I remember going down, working for some of the carnivals, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as a kid, just being curious, you know, just, you know, going out, doing things, you know. But those are one of the highlight things that came, was in Pewsville, that everybody came to Pewsville to enjoy, was some of the things at the, at the, at the, at the Orange Festival and, uh, and, and out by Cypress Gardens. 
knew Mr. Mr. Dick Polk by first name. Okay. Him and his, my, him and his wife, Miss Bonnie, they were real close. They were mm-hmm. real close to the area of Pewsville because they knew what it was all about. And they had workers that lived in Pewsville that worked at the gardens. So, I mean, and then, um, like the ski show, I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I never paid to go to the game at the stadium. I don't think I never paid to go to Cypress Gardens. Just, hey, you mean, hey, come on in. Come yeah. on in. That's Russ Burnley. Come on in, you know. So those were the days. Those were the days growing up as a kid. I, did, I didn't want to omit by not saying what I feel as a child coming up in Pewsville. Yeah, yeah that's great. I mean, and you think, I, I, I tell people, I said, you try to think of the impact just the water ski show had on the rest of the area. So, exactly. Um, you know, all the water ski schools that are now all over the Winter Haven area that bring people in. I mean, just the impact, something is, you know, simple as just that aspect of it, the baseball. Um, You know, there are baseball players that are sprinkled all throughout the area who came here in spring training, fell in love with the area. And they lived here. They lived here. They lived here. And have lived here and grown old and contributed um, you well, know. can you imagine this? This um, uh, during the spring training before it started, and you, you're uh, you're driving down First Street, and you see this big giant uh, African American man just jogging. Guess who it was? Joy Scott. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the boomer. The boomer. The boomer. 